you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. doesn't wear makeup on camera. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Dan wears some makeup occasionally. I do. That drop is accurate, though. On Sunday nights, no makeup, even though we did tape an extra video today that you can find on NFL Now of our biggest takeaways. 18 seconds into the production, and, yeah. and Greg is plugging, Why not? plugging corporate And we needs. got our own folder. The people demanded it, and now we have our own around the NFL folder on NFL You now. know what we should be plugging? Dan Hans' cornhole skills. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we played over I the weekend. Dan corn. has the spin down. He's now number two in the L.A. Power Rankings. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. I feel a Moving little up. slighted. I think I held my own as well. You Let's won see. every game you played. All right, but let's tell Dan's skills. Well, because he was on your team. I don't know. We'll talk about this later. I don't like the way that <laughs> happened that's right usually, there. That's actually not like, a good sign for you, I don't Marcus. like how that happened. They right usually there. put the worst <laughs> player with West to try to even it out. That's also <laughs> something that's dawning on me. And by the way, one of my favorite <laughs> images, uh, and thank you, Wes, for that. Uh, I'm learning from the master. But one of my favorite images at NFL Media is Chris Wessling in a makeup chair. <laughs> something you cannot imagine ever happening. Yeah, it's bad news. Could you have, like, when you were delivering mail crossing over that bridge in Cincinnati, could you ever have imagined you would be in a makeup chair? As I was macing dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it is, of course, week 10. This is our Sunday recap show. Another uh, big week of NFL action as, as we head deeper into November. It's crazy. We're, we're almost heading toward uh, Thanksgiving now, and then all of a sudden it will be the, the playoff stretch. But right now, this is that, that crucial middle section of the season where stuff just starts to get clear and the, <laughs> the fakers fade and the real men step up. That's where we're at right now. Mark's shaking his head. Well, I just, uh, I just as I've mentioned, I refuse to look at the week, week eight, week nine section as the midpoint. 
Mm. I view around week 13 yeah. as the midpoint. You keep I, on pushing it back. Well, because it's like a guy that wants to take his lunch break, you know, a couple hours before his shift ends, not at the midpoint of the day. Hmm. Mark, again, giving hints that he just is – Cash in that paycheck. That is not accurate. Let's not call week eight something that's not. Uh, by the way, filling in for TD behind the glass. TD called in sick today. He you want to talk sniffles. about a guy cashing in a paycheck? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. I, uh, I will say that uh, since Mark and I started here in 2010, I've never missed work for it to be ill. A TD missing a football Sunday. Casting aspersions on your wow, producer's character. It's hardcore. So he – I am I hope he gets well soon, but he better be sick is all I'm saying. We got Zach Dressler <laughs> behind the glass filling in, and I am uh, – I, for one, I can't speak for the other gentleman. I'm confident. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Actually, for me, anyway. Thanks, Dan. I yeah. appreciate the vote of confidence. You got it from all of us. Oh, what, yeah. Mark, what's wrong with taking a, a, a pre-mid meal? By the, and I don't, I don't find the issue. <laughs> well, you raise a fair point. We don't take lunch either, so – I mean, you know, there's all sorts of issues floating in the, in the atmosphere, <laughs> work-wise. All right. all right, so let's uh, – why don't we get to the game? We'll, we'll start with the game that maybe uh, jumped out to us as the most exciting or most important game of the day, and that went down in Nolens. San Francisco 49ers rookie linebacker Chris Borland recovered an overtime fumble to set up Phil Dawson's 35-yard field goal to knock off the Saints 27-24, a huge win for the Niners. West, the Niners held off a Saints comeback to get it done. Did they save their season at the Superdome? I think they did. They have to be considered in the wild card hunt, wild card hunt still, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that they win their division. Well, do you think they're – like, is this a win that gives you confidence that they're going to turn it around? The Saints were playing pretty well in New Orleans. The Saints, the Saints really screwed this up. They came back, they took over the game, took the lead, and then allowed – uh, one of the worst coverage mishaps you'll ever see. They let Michael Cra Crabtree get behind them on fourth and 10 for a 51-yard mm. catch, and he couldn't have been more wide open, and that blew the game. The next series, Jimmy Graham catches a 50-yard Hail Mary and gets called for offensive pass interference, which he vehemently disputed, but it's that pretty obvious it call. was. Right. He, what is he, he, didn't, he didn't watch the video if he's vehemently we disputing this. Well, two Smith, reps flew through flags. Yeah, and the Steve Smith play a few weeks ago, you could definitely make the case that there might have been a flop there. This time, Jimmy Graham was like 6'7", 260, all muscle, you know, shoved the cornerback, and what's going to happen is that guy's going to go down pretty hard and pretty fast. Come on. Relax, Jim. I didn't think the 49ers <laughs> played that great. Kaepernick was better than his numbers show. They're getting nothing out of Crabtree and Vernon Davis. Bolden Played pretty well in the first half, but dropped multiple passes in the second half. Mm. I saw he dropped what would have been, you know, a setup for another touchdown A long as touchdown, well. probably, yeah. If, one thing with the New Orleans, like all offseason, we talked about how Rob Bryan is going to use his safety so creatively and what a funky, interesting defense it is. They got torched today, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, part of that is Jarris Bird's not there, and he wasn't playing yeah, well when he was. Tired. But Yeah, I don't – the safeties didn't play that well. Keenan Lewis, who has been – Pro Bowl caliber at cornerback for them this year. Went down with a quad injury and could barely walk. They rolled him out for the game, and he came back anyway and kind of just drug his his leg around the field. I mean, isn't this on the Saints offense, though? I mean, this team is not a team built to win games. When they give up 24 points in New Orleans, you kind of expect them to win. When they get the ball two times in overtime, you kind of expect them to win. Drew Brees, I'm sure, would take – the blame for how that game ended, which is him holding the ball forever 
on back-to-back plays. One, he takes a sack, and the other takes a fumble. If Tony Romo did that or Jay Cutler did that, you know, we would kill them for, like, make a decision, throw the ball away, do something. He had two bad plays, and that led to them losing. He's really been playing like Cutler all year, Mm. making bad decisions. The pocket presence is shaky. Right before halftime, the Saints have the ball with a chance to score. He threw into triple coverage in the end zone and got intercepted. Is this what he is going forward this season? I mean, why, why is this happening to Breeze? He's been such a pristine passer Good for question, so long. because last year he was, I thought, it had the best pocket presence in the league and made great decisions, and this year he's just not playing that way. And we, we all got sucked in. I think we all took the Saints in this game, correct? Zero pick. That's Zero correct. pick. And <laughs> going back to Thursday's show, I remember when we were previewing this game, we really focused a lot on the Niners' problems and their inconsistencies. And I think we all maybe got sucked into the idea that the Saints had gotten back on track and were going to take care of business here. Instead, they're once again they're a difficult team to figure out. Maybe the Niners and them are both at the same level where they're both kind of up and down, but the Saints are not out of the woods yet, and there's, now the clock's starting to look, work against them. But they can feel good because they're in the NFC South. So they're still in first place. And if they take care of their division games, like when Atlanta comes back to New Orleans, if they can take care of those games, they should still be a playoff Isn't it kind of over on some level anyway, though? If they're going to be a team that gets into the playoffs at 9-7 and No. And maybe wins a home game? I never buy that. You make it in, and then you see what happens. The Seahawks made it at 7-9. Yeah, And And if they make it in, they're guaranteed one home game. Well, that's what I mean. You're going to get that home game, but are they going to beat anybody else on the road? Sure, anybody can get hot in the Ravens did. But, I, but Dan, did. fair you point, because barring a miracle that would be a, a semi-disaster for the NFL, a 7-9 and nine team, if that's what happens in the NFC South, you have your nice home game, even if you win that, it's over after Which that. Which NFC superpower should they be afraid of? Right, and I mean, like, the Cardinals lost 44-10 to 10 three weeks before the playoffs of the year. They made the Super Bowl. They were 9-7. and seven. People yeah. called them the worst. I mean, if they can just get their house in order, at least they're kind of lucky just because they're in that division. Let's update my boy here, Mark Ingram. Mm. Third straight 100-yard game, 27 carries, churns out 120 yards. First running back since 2003 for the Saints with three straight 100-yard games. I heard that there's an eviction notice on Steve Smith's uh, honeymoon suite <laughs> and your stable of boys. And wow. And he's moving right in. <laughs> I didn't, Smith hasn't done much lately. I didn't hear that rumor, but I, I can't really deny it. I like how Wes spent the first five minutes of – of this, you know, recap, just waiting for us to ask him about Ingram. <laughs> and then he's just like, well, I'm just going to have to bring him up myself. Exactly. You've got to <laughs> plug the guy. He's playing great. <laughs> Drew Stanton replaced an injured Carson Palmer in the fourth quarter and threw a 48-yard touchdown pass to John Brown, who delivered one of the signature touchdown dances of the season. And then Arizona's <laughs> defense took over from there, scoring two fourth-quarter touchdowns. Uh, in a 31-14 comeback win over the Rams. Another big, big win in the fourth quarter there by the, by the now 8-1 cards. But this one came at a huge cost. Right, Wes? It did. Carson Palmer feared to have a torn ACL, according to NFL Media's Albert Breer and NFL Media insider Ian Rappaport. It's the same knee that was shredded in 2006. At the time, his doctor, his surgeon said on a scale of one to three, it was a four as far as how serious the knee injury was. Mm, it's so crushing. I mean, I know we can move on to what, what the Cardinal, what's up with the Cardinals, but for Carson Palmer, it's like he's been looking for his whole career for a chance like this. He signs his contract. I wrote this big thing on Friday that he can rewrite how we kind of think of his career. You did this. You did this to him. <laughs> and, and then a co- two days later, 
it's just like it seems like he's cursed. It's crazy because the knee injury way back when happened 10 days after he signed an extension with the Bengals. And then the timing again is so bizarre. So if he's had bad luck with injuries, he's had good luck with money. Sure. Yeah, the, the, the amount of money sure. he's made in his career is crazy, but how long till we'd ever and see him again? Maybe, or, I mean, late summer? Uh, well, yeah, I, I would imagine he'll, he'll be ready for next season if this is an ACL tear. But then you're coming back from a second major knee injury, and you're, you don't have – you're in your mid-30s. You're you don't know 35 what, years old next yeah. year. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a bummer to me because you see a lot of people on Twitter, uh, because Drew Stanton has come in and done some things – acting like this isn't that big a deal for the Cardinals, but this is a huge deal. I think this effectively r- removes them from the Super Bowl conversation. For me, anyway, I don't think this mm. team can go make a deep playoff run with a, a journeyman backup unless there's some magic going on in Arizona. And I, even with the magic that we've seen, I don't think it's enough to have a Drew Stanton team go all the way through the NFC. That would be a hell of a story, <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah. But you're right. It would take a lot. There's some similarities and differences like Palmer, Drew Stanton is not afraid to take chances down the field. He'll pull the trigger. And Arians doesn't seem to coach any differently with Stanton in there. They stay aggressive, but he's not nearly as accurate as Palmer. He's a better athlete. He's probably one of the better athletes at quarterback in the league. Well, it's a great, It's actually to their benefit that Stanton got that early section of games, saw a lot sure. of action. And it's funny because when we talked to Arians at the Combine, he basically said, no, we're not interested in drafting a quarterback high because he believes that much in Stanton. And I think you're right. There's a definite drop-off, but it's not a drop-off to Brandon Whedon or an absolute Jason Campbell-esque disaster. It's just a drag. They have eight wins, so it's really hard to imagine them not making the playoffs. They're getting but nothing. the Seahawks have to be excited. The 49ers well, should yeah, be excited. Well, yeah, makes that division interesting. I think the Seahawks catch them now in the division. It's fair. The Cardinals are getting nothing in the running game. Ellington had 23 yards on 18 carries today. Tries to bounce everything outside, and they don't really any open any holes in the middle anyway. But one good thing, I would like to see if if Larry Fitzgerald can stay hot. He looks like mm. 2010, 2011 Larry Fitzgerald to me, and he has for the past five weeks. It's worth noting, too. I mean, they were trailing in the fourth quarter with Carson Palmer in the game. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like at home against – the Rams are a tough team, but it's not like they were trouncing them. And that's maybe the other bummer in this, that Larry Fitzgerald, half of his prime was wasted on backup quarterbacks, and now he's got another one throwing to him for the rest of the season, most likely. We'll see what happens, but, th- I mean, this was, that's a devastating setback for a team that's been on a great run. The Kansas City Chiefs rallied from a 10-point deficit on the road, moving h- ahead of the Bills in the AFC playoff race with a 17-13 win in Orchard Park. Big-time win by the Chiefs, who win every week, it seems. Greg, you believe this was the day the Kyle Orton revival story (laughs) ran out of gas. Yeah, he started off great in the game, and he was really lousy in the fourth quarter. And I think you saw the difference between the two quarterbacks in this game. Both uh, had tough situations, but Alex Smith was just pounded. Ten quarterback hits, six sacks. Uh, they had eight tackles for loss. The Bills' defensive line dominated this game, but Smith just found a way to make a couple runs on third and long and make a great throw on third and 16 right before Jamal Charles' touchdown, and he made just enough big plays at the big moments, whereas Orton kind of had unforced errors at the big moments. Kyle Orton got outplayed by a guy <laughs> whom you compared to a late career Drew Bledsoe at one point in this game. Well, I was just saying after a while, he had got hit 
so many times that he started to see the pressure before it got there almost, and he just started freaking out. I would have too. It was as dominant a performance by a defensive line as I've seen this year for the first three quarters. I think for me, I'm not ready to write off the Kyle Orton experiment in Buffalo this season, but no. two, two things. It's like the first game where he didn't really do much to get Sammy Watkins going. I know he was protected well by the defense, but also the schedule ahead for Buffalo is a disaster. Right. They have to go to Miami next, this Thursday, which is a huge game. Not quite an elimination game, but neither one of those teams wants to go to 5-5. Five and five. And then if you look at their schedule later, they have to go to Denver. They have to go to New England. They host the Packers. So I think that's kind of was my takeaway, that this was a game they really couldn't blow. They were the better team, and they kind of gagged it away at the end. Could you tell watching the game that Sammy Watkins was playing at less than 100%? No. I mean, they tried to throw it to him. I mean, Orton tried getting it to him deep. Ron Parker... Not a big name was the MVP of this game. He was on. Sounds like the sales clerk at Seven <laughs> Eleven. He was part of the Legion of Boom in the training camp last year at one point, and they cut him. Ended up on Kansas City. He was covering Watkins most of the day. He forced a fumble in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, when the Bills were going in for what looked like a 17-3 score. If Scott Chandler just fell on the ball in the end zone, they're up 17-3. I think they win. But instead, he. He drops it. It goes out the back. And then Parker just kept breaking up passes the rest of the way. It was really impressive. Chiefs playing in January? I think so. I, I, think, I would think so as well. I think they're going to get that sixth seed. I think it's going to come down to Chiefs Wes, Chargers. you sold yet? No. Well, then, question, like, who would you put in there? Is it going to be just the North, basically, like the Baltimore and the Pittsburgh? I think I would put Pittsburgh? two AFC North teams in there. Mm, that might be a hint about the Browns, Mark. <laughs> Wes is going Steelers-Ravens. I, I think the Dolphins are a better team than the Chiefs. Hmm. He's getting in on the brownies. Chiefs did beat the Dolphins, by the way. Tony Romo made his return oh. to the lineup, and Des Bryant had a second quarter for the ages as the Cowboys rolled to a 31-17 over the Jaguars at Wembley-Stadium. Mark, the Cowboys, they hit their bye at 7-3. How important was this win for the Big D? By the way, Des Bryant, it was a big win. I mean, they look they looked like the team that we saw run over opponents for a number of mm -hmm. weeks. That, you know, they ran the ball well. It was the Jaguars who I've lost complete faith in at this point. But Des Bryant, zero production in the first quarter, nothing. Mm -hmm. Comes in in the second, six catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns, which shatters like a single <laughs> quarter record for the franchise. Puts him on pace to, for his second game ever in terms of his yardage, does nothing in the, in the second it's, half. It's like such a like uh, indicator of his entire career because I've, I'm, I'm such a fan of him. He's, he has like an entire wing in my stable of boys, and I draft him every year in fantasy. And this is what, how Des Bryant works. He, he's massively productive in spurts, but you just got to be prepared. There will be dry patches. But when he shows up, it's a massive explosion. Yeah, shut out for three quarters. If you knew that going in, you'd think, hmm. They're not. They're gonna have to look somewhere else in the past. But he totally blew up. But also Murray, a hundred yards on the ground. A lot of these guys. Bryant got yanked in the second half to get an IV. Murray didn't play a lot down the stretch. Romo did. Well, not. you know why Bryant was dehydrated, right? He broke curfew. He's out. It's out getting well, wasted. Well, we don't. I don't Friday know about that. Too. I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, apparently twenty I'm Cowboys kidding. broke curfew or didn't break curfew. According to the Cowboys, there was no curfew. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, and then there was also a report from Ian Rappaport Sunday morning 
that they were a little nervous about some wild parties and shenanigans going on at Dez's pad and how giving him more guaranteed money could affect that. But, you know, he went out and performed in the well, Cowboys. Tell us about t- tell us about Tony Romo. Well, one note, send us on to London and we'll break curfew too with all our well, friends we'll get to in, that in England. in a second. Well, Romo looked, you know, he looked like a man made out of, like, cheap wood early on, moving around very <laughs> stiff. He just was like, right, he really, like really, it. the Pinocchio? injury, it was so clear that he was not able to do what he wanted to, but they pounded the run early, and he ended up completing 20 of 27 passes, and Bryant broke the game wide open. Jacksonville was a lost a ship at sea for the second half. They could do how, nothing. How was the vibe at, at Wembley? I was watching on television, you know, from our office, well, so it's hard person. to get, a, a, you know, an in-on-scene read on the place, but definitely right. seemed to be a crowd that – Everything well, you say, I'm not listening well, to. Well, no, so. but a crowd that's going to get sold Jacksonville year after year as, an, as a team in England, I'm not sure that they're – Thrilled with the results. It seemed to be a Cowboys-heavy crowd, from what I could judge from my seat in Los Angeles. Cool. We have a very loyal listener named Simon, who is a cabbie in London, and he reported that the whole city was fired up. Mm. The place was loving the NFL, but he didn't spot a single Jaguars shirt all day. Mm, well, maybe because the Cowboys were out till the early hours hanging Making with the British friends. people. Exactly. I like that. And, you know, <laughs> we, we talked about it. Hashtag on to London, the quest to get the Around the NFL podcast Two beautiful England next year for our uh, Wembley, what do they call it, the International Series games. And some great uh, fan work was done. We had the, a gentleman who in all uh, British coinage spelled out hashtag onto London. I love that. Someone did a Photoshop of the Union Jack behind us here in the studio. Love that. What else did we see on Twitter? A wide variety of visuals. It was fantastic. Someone sent tuppence. So they still use that. They do. And I was, yeah, we were all wrong about the currency. Um, So, but I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, We need to make sure that the NFL knows how much our passionate listenership overseas wants us there. So this is the information. We decided this is what we're going to send. A postcard from your native England, uh, whether it's, you know, shot of Big Ben or the London Bridge or, I don't know, Main Road. I don't know. I don't even know anything else. Yeah. yeah, The River Tannery Yard. Anything, any postcard. Berkshire. You send that to Roger Goodell, the commissioner, <laughs> 345 Park <laughs> Avenue, New York, New York, 10154. And uh, you just write on the back, hashtag on to London, you know, a little message. Send the Around the League podcast to England. It Around makes so much NFL sense. Podcast. It's efficient. And that's all you got to do. So, uh, you know, any questions, uh, send them to at producer TD. But, Greg, you were nodding your head. No, it's, like, it's a great bit that will, you know, not be edited into out of the podcast, you know. <laughs> just, what? What's gone. wrong with people sending their wishes to Rog? <laughs> we'll see. I think he'd like to realize how passionate the fan base is in England about bringing us over there. Because I we're serious. This yeah. isn't a bit. No, we're, we, we want to be there. And we got to get on the radar in the big office. Yeah. You know, we got to get those guys over. We there just can't do it on our own dime. Who doesn't like receiving a postcard in the mail? Keep the mailman employed. <laughs> <laughs> we move on. The New York Jets entered Sunday with three turnovers on defense in their first nine games. They had four on Sunday in a surprising twenty to thirteen win over the Steelers at the Meadowlands. This was a game where. Uh, Various reports or, or tweets, I should say, stated the balance of the crowd was about 60-40. Pittsburgh fans, all those Steelers fans, they wore their black and gold, nice and adorable. And they were, you know, looking for a big party in New York or in New Jersey. But guess what happened? The Jets showed up. Hallelujah, the Jets showed up. And Bernard, the toaster master, in the upper deck, no jumping. Maybe jumping <laughs> for joy. 
as he watched the Jets deliver an actual sound defensive performance, and Michael Vick made some plays, and there you go. And the Steelers, the Steelers, I don't know what to make of the Steelers anymore. It's the same old situation. Every time you start to get sucked in and thinking they're a team, their most dangerous team in the AFC potentially, or one of the most dangerous teams, they lay an egg like they did today, and it makes you wonder, how can I trust you, Pittsburgh? Thoughts, Sheldon? How did the Jets stop the Steelers? Because I think there's several times this year where you look at the Steelers and say, they have way too much talent to be held down by this team. I, you know, and I don't consider myself a genius of play calling, but I don't know what was going on with Todd Haley and the way they attacked the mm. Jets. The worst secondary in football. I think everybody knows that. The stats bear that out. West delivered that hammer drop on the last podcast that it was like a 112 passer rating against the Jets this year. One interception all season. The way to beat this Jets team and it's especially easy when you have Le'Veon Bell to loosen things up, is to pass downfield and attack that secondary. Yet time and time again through this game, they were checking down and trying to drop little screen passes over the defensive line. And I, I could count at least, I would think, like five passes that were completed uh, to Le'Veon Bell or others. They were then dragged down in the backfield. They weren't aggressive in attacking the secondary. And that, then they got they got in a little bit of a hole, and then the Jets were able to make some adjustments. But all credit to the Jets. Um, for a team with second uh, secondary and cornerbacks you couldn't even pull out of a lineup, they delivered a nice performance against Roethlisberger. He threw two interceptions. This was the same guy that threw 12 touchdowns over the past two weeks and had thrown one t interception all season. So he threw two picks, and uh, they're just a really well-played game. And on the other side of the field, Michael Vick – is a guy that can still play. I mean, he's not a franchise quarterback that you're going to build around at this stage, but he threw a beautiful deep pass to TJ Graham, a 68-yard touchdown. He uh, he broke uh, Bryce Brown's ankles on a beautiful uh, little crossover move that set up another score uh, so he can still move, he can still throw, and it was a, just a great performance. He can Jets still play, he can still move, he can still throw. Can he save Rex Ryan's job? I was going to ask the same thing. Good question. I don't think anybody could save Rex's job. Now, my concern is that the Jets finished strong they enough. they won every game for the rest of the season? I don't know if that would even do it. I mean, that I mean, would still be four straight Anyways. years. Yeah, I mean, that is impossible. But my concern is that they that Woody's already decided that Wex, Rex, it's time for him to move on. But a strong finish uh, saves Idzik, which I don't want. Hmm. I think they need a, a fresh start all the way around, and we'll see what happens. I mean – but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think Rex is gone though, no matter what. What a day for uh, Patriots fans! Uh, you know. Oh wow, what a, you know <laughs> the Bills. We never and, see that. For, and for Browns fans. Oh no, no, a much, a much bigger day for. But Patriots I was going to say, you know, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> you know the uh, the Bills lose. The Dolphins, who we'll get to later with our guy Kevin Patra, they lose, and then the Jets win. They hurt their draft pick, and now they're going to start fooling themselves into this whole Vic thing. It's. It's perfect. I could, at one point, I could just <laughs> imagine Greg excusing himself to an office and then like pulling up on his phone, ace of bass, and just dancing to "It's a Beautiful Life." Oh, because you have such a beautiful, blessed yeah. life. You're I don't halfway to thirteen and three. You're the one with the ace of bass reference. There. <laughs> I don't want to work with anyone who listens to ace of bass. Wow. I wish we had the video podcast for that dance move. That was it's a beautiful life. <laughs> Swedish popsmiths of the uh, 90s. It was a special era. Underrated and also very overrated. They were, they were pretty bad. ABBA, way better than Ace of Base. Uh, I think they were the same thing, essentially. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's their children. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, nice win for the Jets and a weird situation for Pittsburgh. 
New quarterback, same result for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who fell to 1-8 with a 27-17 loss to the Atlanta Falcons. That snaps a five-game losing streak for Atlanta. Mark, what did you see from Josh McCown today, who, of course, replaced Mike Lennon in the starting lineup for the Bucs? Well, I think he's a, you know, first blush, he's a, he's a better short-term answer for what is a lost season than Glennon. I mean, he, he, he actually comes out in the game, 17-play opening drive that chews, chews up eight and a half minutes and goes for 47 yards. Is that good? That's right, the Tampa that Bay Buccaneers. So I'm saying that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. But also he got hit hard late in this thing and stuck in a game that I think other quarterbacks would have exited out of. He was emotional after they lost. I mean, it, it's not about does Josh McCown, is he tough enough or does he want it, any of that stuff. They just This team cannot get it together. Announcers are always really impressed by drives that have a lot of plays. And, and passing it to a lot of different receivers. And that never, that never seems like a particularly impressive or, you know, germane stat. Oh, he passed it to eight different receivers. Oh, they had a 19-play drive. Wouldn't it be better to just have a five-play drive and score a touchdown? Well, I think that also means a lot of those plays aren't working, and that's what was going <laughs> right. on with Tampa. And then across the way, I mean, this was, you know, I found out this morning that Greg had put me on this game, and I thought I must have offended the boss at some point to be assigned <laughs> this affair because – Really, yeah, we're in, they're in that division where someone could have a losing record and win it, but it would be sad for any football fan outside of these two cities to have to deal with one of these, well, Atlanta in the playoffs, and they're still in the mix. They're one game back. They're in the mix, but they're not in the mix in terms of what they are because, yeah, they, they haven't won a game since Wes and I covered them beating up the Bucks in week three, which feels like seven years ago at this point. It does feel like a long time ago. I'm a little torn on Josh McCown, whether he's still my boy or not. This seems like the best game by a Bucks quarterback all year. Right, but what are we saying when we say that? But then he came out with one half of a Canadian tuxedo in the uh, <laughs> and the <laughs> post-game presser. He looked like Billy Ray Cyrus like, was, uh, combined yeah. with Ivan Drago. Not a good look. Not everybody has a brand new fleece sweatshirt. That's true. That's, that is a great-looking fleece you're wearing today. Thank you. Look at the colors. It's, it re- evokes feelings of the fall. That's what it's here for. Uh, Lovey Smith, one and eight. No chance he get fu- gets fired. Still, if this team, it doesn't seem like a Bucks road. move that ownership. Yeah. But I, I think the question should be asked. Lovey Smith is the Mike Glennon of quarterbacks. I've seen enough. Justin Forsett ran for 112 yards and two touchdowns, and the Baltimore defense held the Titans to 210 total yards in a 21-7 Ravens win. That snaps a two-game losing streak for Baltimore, who stay right in the middle of the pack in a stacked AFC, AFC North. The And I'm not quite familiar with this team. The Titanics? Ti- Titanics, maybe. Uh, the ship. Titans. They're oh, based in Tennessee. Okay, the Titans have lost three straight. They fall to two and seven. <laughs> Uh, Greg, anything about the Titanics? Yeah, well, named after the movie. <laughs> I am <laughs> aware after of the, the ship. That's how this. That's how this crew is going right now. Oh my gosh! But this this is the this is the last draft pick in terms of the team that you don't want to watch. I think right now the Titans. I mean, they're pl- close. It's got to be in that mix. They Who's were even close. The the Bucks, I guess. But they got some players, Mike Evans and. Well, it's a it, it's a week to week proposition. Yeah. You draw either. Your Sunday Bobby is going to be gloomy and strange. I'd rather watch like Murder in a Small Town on Lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather watch Titanic. I just like seeing my guy Justin Forsett do it every week. I mean, that this is, your is boy. this is a random career year to end all random career years. He's been on five or six teams. 
you know, he's shorter than I am practically, and he's top five running back. He's going to make the Pro well, Bowl. Well, he also weighs Four about 100 more pounds than you, and it's right. all muscle. So, And he's got outstanding <laughs> lower body He has power. a much better body than you, Greg. That's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> Ravens were close in this game, too, for a while. I mean, this was it was tied at halftime. Mettenberger comes out, and he's great for the first two drives, and then they did absolutely this nothing after that. This game will be for completely forgotten uh, to the sands of time. We, we will, no one will ever think of this game ever again after a couple of days from now. It will never be mentioned in conversation. Uh, nothing will ever come of this game. It's just something that happened. It's over, and the world moves forward. We need to move on. They had an eight-drive stretch, the Titans did, after their first two pretty good drives, one of which ended with a fumble at the goal line, the other one a touchdown, where three and out every drive except for one drive where they, they got one first down, and then Mettenberger caps it off with an interception. Fire that one up on Game Rewind this week. That sounds a lot like Charlie Whitehurst. We've seen the Titans offense go three and out so many times this year. This is how crazy the NFL is today. For seemed like for a quarter and a half, Mettenberger was out playing Roethlisberger. Mm. <laughs> the battle of the burgers. I thought Connor Orr, one last thing on this one, mm-hmm. made a good point that Ken Wisenhunt, the offense, he saw the same play being run on consecutive drives the same patterns, the same stuff over and over, that there's a lack of creativity. I think for the fans that are paying money to watch these games, I don't know if Jake Locker is like the future, but... Put him in! I don't know. He's got to be a better option to win games. You know how big Titanic was? It came out December of 97. Mm -hmm. I was a senior in high school, so you know he had a bunch of joke elective (laughs) courses when you're a senior in high school. Uh, We had a a film class that our teacher, who's uh, a very nice woman... Uh, she t- turned the class into a Titanic class where the entire semester we learned that's, about Titanic. That's terrible. And then uh, they, we took It's not cl- even a good movie. Yeah, but not you, just you the have movie. to take yourself back to uh, that period. Yeah, it, was which, also it, was a, absolute, it was also a like, ship. It was a did you sh- know that? <laughs> I know it because of this course. But we, we did a, a mock documentary about the Titanic. A mockumentary. We, a mockumentary. Uh, we, watched, we went to the theater to see the film. And I recall many of the girls in my class had already seen it about ten times by this point. Uh, Capture the zeitgeist. I like that no guy I know will admit to having seen that film in the theater, but there's no way with the financials that many men didn't go to see it (laughs) twice. I was held hostage on an airplane while the movie was playing. It wasn't an awful movie. I didn't think it was awful. By any stretch. It was long. I'll admit that I went to see it. Is that a crime? I went to see it. I actually enjoyed it in the moment. Winslet, frisky. Like Kate Winslet quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving forward. (laughs) Greg is about to fire both of us. (laughs) I saw it in the theater. (laughs) We all did. Yeah, the West Side. I remember that was there on opening night. I know we're talking through the music now. The line for Titanic was like a nothing I've ever seen. I got in line for Showgirls. I wasn't going. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! (laughs) You got in line for Showgirls? This is the first thing that's ever stopped the music. You get on me for Ace of Base, and then you went to the theater to see Showgirls. It was a horrible decision. Do you remember how hot Elizabeth Berkeley was, like as the it girl coming out of Saved by the Mm. Bell? She wasn't even. She was like the bronze medalist amongst the Saved by the Bell. Yeah, we went to this. Like me and twenty guys that I that's hung out weird... with went to this movie and saw like every Gross. other guy we knew. That's a weird dynamic. Waiting in line for it, and then we didn't even stay for like halfway through the movie. It was that bad. A bunch of dudes rolled into yeah. showgirls together. Yeah, and then we walked out. Like it was that bad. We had to leave. All I... right, it's a strange dynamic. <laughs> Let's try this again. Matthew Stafford threw an eleven-yard <laughs> touchdown pass to Theo Reddick, 
with 29 seconds to play, lifting the Lions to a 20 to 16 win over the Miami Dolphins in what was Calvin Johnson's return to the lineup, successful return to the lineup. To talk about this, uh, this game, we got to go to our guy. Uh, he is our Chicago correspondent via Detroit Rock City. He is the great Kevin Patra. He loves going to the gym. He loves watching football. He loves writing about football, and he loves talking about football. And now he's going to talk about football on the podcast. Kevin Patrick coming at you. What up, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Well, Beautiful intro, Dan. Oh, well, thank you. Hey. You know, my whole life is encapsulated right there. I nailed it. A home run. I'm walking off. The Lions find a way again. I'm going to ask you, Kevin. You are a Lions fan. You've suffered a lot. A little uh, little magic in this team? Is there, are they a little different this year, potentially? Yeah, I mean, they this three weeks in a row, they come back under two minutes and won the game. Uh, Matthew Stafford has struggled throughout the year, but when it comes down to crunch time, he makes throws. It's almost like he's like afraid to get in trouble for uh, over three quarters, and then at the very end, he's like, ah, screw it, I'm just going to make this pass anyway. And he's made, he made plays, and they haven't backfired on him in the last three weeks. That throw, um, by the way. Great. That throw to Riddick is on the short list for me, throws of the year. In fact, number one for me is week one against the Giants by Matthew Stafford when he hit uh, Megatron in the back of the end zone. This is on the list, too. He went sidearm, slung it at an angle on a line like a bullet. Riddick was covered like a glove on the play, but he put it in a spot where only his receiver could get it. Game over. And and I'll tell you this though, every line from the wall on that Reggie Bush would have dropped that pass. Mm. Wow! So it did. It went to the right guy too. Absolutely, Reggie Bush would have, Bush would have dropped that. No doubt in my mind. Reggie Bush only but, had five touches in this game. Is he just not a major part of this team anymore? Well, I I think he tweaked his that he looked actually his first three carries were looked good, and then I think he tweaked something. He went down. He was out of down, and then he didn't really touch the ball after that again. It was like they were. He was in there as a decoy after that, so I don't know if he retweaked his ankle or what. But after he got hurt, he didn't come back. At, he didn't play very much after that. Greg, you um, you was, had you had Greg the hero pick on the Dolphins. You were invested in it, of course. Uh, you tell me your thoughts about the Dolphins and their inability to stay hot. Is this the same old Dolphins scenario we're talking about here? Well, I mean, they blew it. I mean, they had this game. They were ahead. They had fought back. Their defense looked pretty good. All these Lions fans killing me on Twitter. Oh, how dare you say you pick again? I mean, block them. By the <laughs> way, your your fellow fans, not a good group. Kevin Patcher right Whoa. now. I mean, they were, oh, they've been through a few things. I mean, they were just going crazy after the first quarter. How's your defense looking now? You know, send me their like, names. I'll block them for you. Just pipe that. Oh, I blocked them all. I, doesn't everyone do that? I feel like every fan base has their their fraction of people that do that. They were particularly Sorry. particularly aggressive. But this is a loss that will haunt Miami because, you know, they were on the road. They were in position to win. There was a big drop in this game, right, by Charles Clay, Kevin? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that if he catches that, then then maybe they don't wind up losing. Well, they, they fought well, back and put themselves into position. I'll tell you what. Tannehill puts that ball uh, six inches out in front of him instead of behind him, and it's a touchdown. Ahead of Bo isn't able to get back to knock it down. So uh, it was a little – Tannehill was on the, on the roll. I thought Tannehill should have ran that ball into the end zone. I thought he could have ran a touchdown. And then – threw it. It was a little behind. And But here, here's what I'll say is the Lions had a 10-point lead, and it felt like it should have been 20. Mm. Right, because the they have two difference makers in Calvin Johnson and in Dominican Sue, and the Dolphins really mm-hmm. don't have people like that. Golden Tate. I mean, it was third and 10. This game is on the line here, and the Lions pick up – you know, the first down on that final drive, if not for that, again, I mean, the Dolphins' defense had a lot of chances to close out this was, game. Was Sue the best player on the field today, Patrick? Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
from the first two defensive snaps they had, he stuffed Miller for a three-yard loss and then blew up Pouncey to destroy Tannehill. Tannehill got worked over in this game. Their offensive line, especially after Alba went down, which we didn't even talk about, that's a big loss mm. for them. That's he just got loss. beaten up. I was surprised he could get up after a couple of times. All right, and uh, lastly, Megatron, how did he look to you? Did he look like he was healthy? He certainly put up yes. the production. Yes, he looked He looked fine. Uh, the deep ball early. Actually, I thought Brent Grimes did his best job as you could when, since they didn't give him any help. They weren't, they weren't really doubling him in most situations. They were just like, all right, Brent, this guy's a foot taller than you, but have at it, son. Uh, and he actually he knocked a few balls away that Megatron should have put up over 200 yards against a different corner, I thought, today. Yeah, and as Kevin mentioned, you know, we don't want to skip right over it, Brandon Albert, who is their best, the Miami Dolphins' best offensive player, I think was headed to a Pro Bowl, maybe, maybe a first-team or second-team All-Pro nod this year, uh, injured his knee, and the Dolphins expect him to be out for the season. Did not look good. So it, it's a massive loss for them. They're going to move their first-round pick, Juwan James, over to left tackle. But then right tackle's a mess. They have the Bills coming in. I mean, that, that's a huge, huge loss for Miami. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. A fast start gave way to a hard crash for the Oakland Raiders, who gave up 35 unanswered points in what became a 41-17 loss to the Denver Broncos at the Black Hole. Peyton Peyton Manning bounced back from two early interceptions to throw five touchdowns before exiting after three quarters. And I will say about this game, the final score doesn't quite indicate what this game was shaping up as, at least early. The, The Raiders came out frisky as Kate Winslet and Titanic. They were they were making some plays. They forced Manning into those two picks. Uh, Manning has thrown four picks in the last two weeks now, and they seem to be uh, you know pumped up. Derek Carr threw a touchdown pass uh, off a turnover, and things seem to be looking good. It all changed though uh, on a third down uh, checkdown pass. Uh, excuse me, checkdown pass uh, to C.J. Anderson, who eluded three tacklers, then cut around the field for a touchdown to put him ahead, and then they never looked back. They just kept scoring after that. The Raiders looked hapless. They looked like a team that is 0-9, and, and uh, that's the situation around. You know, the, the Broncos took care of business, and the Raiders, while they've, they've shown flashes at time, they keep losing. I think that's 15 straight now. It's insane. 15 straight? It's hard to do that. Right. It really is. In the NFL, you don't see teams – you'll, you'll come up against some game where everything clicks – you know, you run into like a drug-induced Andy Dalton, like what we saw on Thursday night, and everything just happens <laughs> for you. Did you induce him with the drugs? Just saying, I think that he looked to me <laughs> to be something under the influence up. of something. I don't know. Fifteen straight, and Greg wants to give their GM an extension and a new. Not, I don't want to give him anything. <laughs> I'm saying I think it could happen because he's had a good draft class. That's all. How did the quarterback look today? He looks looks like he'd have to look up to see the Gabbard zone. Derek Carr, this is why stats are, can be very misleading sometimes. He, he began the last drive. I think they went on a 96-yard touchdown drive with less than two minutes to play. Heading into that drive, I believe he was, um, I believe, 19 of 40 for 90 yards <laughs> and uh, two interceptions and a panic uh, shovel pass to his own lineman that led to a lost fumble that set up a back-breaking score. He missed a lot of guys, uh, a, lot of, a lot of open receivers. You know, Carr has had some really nice moments as a rookie, and this is just uh, par, par for the course. There are going to be games where he is not going to look good at all, and putting him up against face-to-face against Peyton Manning, it, it wasn't probably going to end well. They weren't going to win any shooting. Yeah, and on a team that 
did nothing in the offseason to convince us that they actually were going to be able to run the ball. And that's a bad I don't even set. know if they had they dressed running backs in the I mean, game. It's, it's I mean, a terrible setup for a rookie quarterback. They what had they 10 sent, three and outs. That's exactly. more than some Ooh. teams maybe have in a season. Wow. 10 three and outs so terrible. far. That's yeah, insane. I, I think he threw about, what, 50 passes in the game. They, You know, so when you ask a rookie to throw that many passes against a very good Denver defense, you know, he took some hard hits in the game. It was just no, no bueno. The, Br- the Broncos in this game kind of did what I think of as their defining trait among Peyton Manning, which in the Peyton Manning era with the Broncos, which is that when they score, they score a ton in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, they scored four touchdowns in this game in less than nine minutes of playing time. And that seems to always happen with this team, that, that you'll stop them for a half, it'll look like a game, and then it's just like an avalanche. They make it look so easy. And, and we all knew this already, but to watch the game closely and see it, how it unfolds, how many weapons – Manning has at his disposal. Manuel Sanders is if it's I didn't think it was possible, but he's probably a better option than Eric Decker or no loss at all. Demarius Thomas had 11 catches in this game or I believe nine catches went over 100 yards. Uh, Sanders and Julius Thomas had two touchdowns each. Uh, and then you had uh, Wes Welker is not even really a big part of this offense. That tells you so much he looks about like he's done. Yeah. And, it, and they it doesn't it's not a big problem because they have so many guys. Let's talk about the backfield real quick. Ronnie Hillman against the Patriots didn't do anything, and he didn't do anything in this game. He's been playing injured. Did you get a sense that injuries were affecting him, or C.J. Anderson was just better? I mean, this was a hard game to judge because the, they did start off slow, and then once they went into that scoring barrage, it was really done with Manning's arm. They had a lot of quick strikes off uh, good field position. I know that Anderson, he had the play of the game, the turning point, which I talked about earlier, uh, which, you know, to me probably get, gave him more of a workload in this game. Hillman didn't look right. I think he was on the sideline with an issue at some point in the game as well. So I wouldn't put too much into the, the uh, snap breakdown between the two in this game, but it's something to keep an eye on because uh, CJ looked very good. CJ. Yeah, we're buddies. We're boys. Ooh, Jonte. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch piled up 140 total yards and a career-high four touchdown runs. And the Seahawks' 38-17 win over the New York Giants at the clink. Uh, this was a game that was actually 17-17 entering the fourth quarter. What happened, Mark? <laughs> wow, you really want to know. What happened? All right, I'll try to tell, tell me. you. I, you know, when we write these games up, the first like big takeaway for me was that Seattle's passing game up to that 17-17 tie very troubled. It's the second, third week in a row where they really looked kind of off kilter. I think, Reg, you called it a completely random passing attack. And it's, you know, they're not getting, Russell Wilson's not getting great protection. And they miss Percy Harvin, whether people want to believe that or not. And they definitely miss Golden Tate. They have no one that can take the top off a secondary. But by the end of the game and the way they came back and just blew the doors off the New York Giants was leaning on Russell Wilson on the ground and especially Marshawn Lynch. I think for the second week in a row, looked absolutely insane on the ground. I mean, they ran for 350 yards, obviously most by a team this year in a franchise record. Wow. One guy I want to talk about on the Giants, when I've watched Odell Beckham play, I I genuinely see greatness out of him. This guy's going to be an absolute superstar. Yeah, New York was very smart, and Beckham was smart to take the first six weeks of the season <laughs> to rest and prepare and get ready. But, no, you know, to be honest, like we talked about down – does he have a chance to sneak into the offensive rookie of the year competition? 
I don't know how that whole thing actually plays if out. He kept up this pace. I think he, he would. He look. He was it's 100 yards a game. There was one. There was one drive where they went right at Richard Sherman, and he had like a 44-yard pickup off Sherman. And then two plays later or something, another 26-yard game right down the same sideline. I mean, New York, and this is the third week in a row where teams have not shied away from throwing at Sherman. And we don't want to make too much of that, except that that's a banged-up secondary and it shows. But Beckham, one play after the next. I mean, I agree with you. He's been one of the best players. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with the best career out of Hmm. any of the rookie receivers. And this this might be the best rookie class we've seen since the mid-'90s. Yeah. This this Seahawks team's so weird, though. You, it, I think it's fair to call this kind of a two-man backfield right now, and the, and it's Lynch and Wilson. Those, <laughs> those, I mean, I, I really mean it. That, that those are their two backs, because they rely on Wilson running the ball, with, planned or not. Like that's a huge, huge element oh, of their offense. A lot of they don't have runs, much else to rely on. Yeah, but a lot of those runs today were designed runs, obviously. And you know, like you mentioned downstairs, Greg, it, it something feels a little desperate about it from Seattle because you don't want to have to be doing that with with Russell Wilson. But they had 80 yards passing with about 40, ga- 40 minutes of the game gone by. Right, and then when they hit on the big play, it's kind of what I was talking about in terms of randomness. Russell Wilson made an amazing juke, I believe, to get a- away from I'm forgetting which Giants defender who basically got in free like an amazing lateral quickness move to get away from pressure, then evaded another pressure and then kind of extended the play and then threw it through it deep. It, those are the types of plays that they're getting. Anything else, gentlemen? I think we've sealed it up. All right. Well then why <laughs> don't we just move on to the Sunday night football game? Another prime time stunner. Oh my God. Poor Alan, poor Chris. Oh man, this game was over. Sometimes you know a game's over within 10 minutes. This is one of those games. The Green Bay Packers went up 42-0 by the end of the second quarter. Aaron Rodgers threw six touchdown passes in two quarters in route to one of the one of the great blowouts of the season. And and if you are the a fan of the Chicago Bears, you're I would imagine you're thinking. Well, first of all, if you're a fan of the Packers, you're thinking we are a Super Bowl caliber team. We are looking hot. We're feeling good. Life is great. We have the best quarterback in the world. If you're a Bears fan, uh, you're thinking of hitting the red destruct button, right, at this point? I, I know that you're lucky like, if you're not drunk at the bottom of a ditch right now. Forget <laughs> listening to a podcast. You've already won. It's very fair. I mean, I think that, like, last year at this time, there was so much optimism around Mark Tressman and what he had brought to a really lifeless offense for years under Lovey Smith. He completely rebooted the machine there. Now I'm looking at this team, and I'm wondering – are they one of the worst coached teams in the league? They just look completely unprepared. And this isn't the first week where the wheels have fallen off. They went out and bought three pass rushers, drafted two defensive tackles early in the first couple of rounds, and they're one of the worst defenses. I was That secondary in the first half was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. They are a win in Atlanta away from a six-game losing streak right now. I mean, you got to give them that win. They they earned it. But, I mean, they're not just getting beat. They're, they're, they've had a very tough schedule. They're playing some of the better teams in the league, like New England and Green Bay, a couple of times. And they've just showed that they're nowhere near that, that they're closer to like a five-win type of team than a playoff team. Yeah, and you asked earlier in the show, a team like the Saints, or whoever wins the South or whatever, what NFC team that's dominant stands in their way? And 
That's a really fair question because there isn't one necessarily, but Green Bay, like Pittsburgh, for instance, when we see Pittsburgh operating at peak performance, when Green Bay's doing it, we, are you kidding me? If you take Drew Brees and friends out of the 72-degree uh, dome and put them in 10-degree Lambo in the middle of January, mm. it would be a disaster. Well, <laughs> and the Packers do look a little bit better. I mean, the Clay Matthews at inside linebacker, that, was a that surprise. experiment couldn't have worked any better. He was wreaking havoc. I think that – Maybe they'll go to that permanently. They came out of the bye week with that plan. And, uh, you know, as far as what, uh, Greg, you wrote a piece a couple of weeks back now saying that the, the Broncos were the, the best team in football. Are the Packers that far off? Or is this a situation where we can't put too much into this game because the Bears are just in shutdown mode? I don't think the Packers are that far off. But I think your second point is also a good yeah. one because Ryan Tannehill looked perfect when he played against the Bears, and the Patriots looked perfect when you know they played against the Bears. But the Packers' defense has steadily gotten better all year. Their running game and Eddie Lacy, eh, you know, not totally, but the defense, which we kind of expected to be much better, ha- has improved a lot, especially in the secondary. Mark, how are you feeling about uh, the trade that I orchestrated, <laughs> trading Aaron <laughs> Rodgers three days ago? Uh, in exchange for Randall Cobb. So after two weeks of having Big Ben on the bench uh, with six uh. touchdowns, we move him into the starting lineup, <laughs> trade Rodgers, and then he throws six touchdowns. So three weeks and missed six, six touchdowns by a quarterback, three weeks in a row. Well, and our team name is Kate Mara, and she is of the Mara and Rooney heritage. Mm. So she, of course, would mm. want to rather have a Steelers quarterback running a team that's going to do a late charge into the championship Ow! game. Yeah, you don't it. want Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Oh, wait. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know what you want is Mark as your co-owner. For him to be supportive after that disaster, well, Mark's, you not even, count Mark's your about blessings. as plugged in as the Bears are in the NFL right now <laughs> on this team. So. On my fantasy team, you're right. On uh, other aspects, I'm very plugged in. <laughs> All right, so that's it for Sunday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Wednesday with another show. And I know we've gotten a lot of tweets about uh, when are you going to stick a fork in some teams. And we are going to be sticking some forks. People are going to get forked on Wednesday. And a, a little spoiler alert. We might be talking about the Bears. We <laughs> might be talking about forking the Chargers as team of ATL. Oh, that's, uh, a, well, that's, that's, a, that's a West narrative. <laughs> that has not yeah, been discussed. That's not too crazy. I've but. already forked them myself. So you guys <clears throat> can hold off on that until – Later in the season, if you want. You know okay. who we wouldn't fork is Zach. What a great job behind wow. Outstanding. You could plug in a, a sound effect of cheering or clapping on your behalf. A healthy right, Zach, by the way. Fully healthy. Fully You're healthy. at work operating at high levels. Well, plus, we're keeping, away, we're keeping you away from your first love. Your Twitter profile <laughs> description <laughs> says what? It says, I love pizza. Pizza, tacos, uh, and burgers. And there are, there's pizza downstairs. Is there? Why don't we well, all we'll celebrate? <laughs> Zach by spins out of his chair and leaves his headphones <laughs> dangling. Shutting down the whole machine up here. Go downstairs. Have a little pizza party. <laughs> all right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for the Sizzler, the mailman, the boss, and the great Zach Dressler behind the glass. Until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 